Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is the lost son. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Father in heaven, as we now begin... Lord, we pray that you will be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. There once was a little boy named Alan, and Alan was five years old. And at the age of five, he discovered one of the greatest things ever in life, puppies. And he discovered a little black puppy that he wanted to take home so, so badly. And for four years, his parents said, no, you're not ready to have a dog. Oh, finally, though, on his ninth birthday, he was able to go to the pound and he picked a small little black puppy and he named him Oliver. And everywhere Alan went, Oliver went. Until school started. Couldn't go to school. And when Alan would come home, he'd hang out with Oliver after his homework was done. All afternoon, they would go into the trees. They would walk down the block to see his friends. Until one day, Oliver was chasing squirrels because that was his favorite pastime. He would run and the squirrels would run up the tree and he would bark at them. Meanwhile, Alan saw one of his friends, Chuck, come by. He went to the fence line. He waved Chuck down, and they were talking. And then all of a sudden, Alan didn't hear Oliver bark. And he turned around, and he couldn't find Oliver. And he became very afraid and very panicked, and he started to run all over the field. He checked all of where near the trees He ran back into the house. He got his mom. They got in the car and they started driving everywhere trying to find Oliver. And they couldn't find Oliver. Not that day, nor the next, nor the day after. And yet Alan still had hope. He kept searching and searching. After two weeks, he was heartbroken thinking he may never see his little Oliver. Until he was walking home, he'd gotten off the the bus stop, and it was two blocks between the bus stop and his home. And halfway through the first block, he could hear a dog bark. And it wasn't just any bark. It was Oliver's bark. And pretty soon, his walk started into a jog and then into a sprint as fast as he could. And you know, as a little kid, maybe you experienced this. You had your backpack, and because it was so heavy, you would kind of let it sag a little down. But when you ran, that meant that your backpack would be joshing back and forth with all of your, your math and your English and your history books, right? And he didn't care. He knew he could see and he could hear his little Oliver barking. He crossed that street as fast as he could. And he ran, 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 and he hit the fence. He could see Oliver. He went through the door, and he picked Oliver up. 
And when he picked Oliver up, Oliver smelled really bad from a skunk. He also had mud all over his face. It looked like he'd ran through a cobweb. He had thorns, but he didn't care because he had his little Oliver in his hands. Such a precious thing, right? And that's how little boy, how much he loves his little dog. Imagine now how much the God of the universe loves us. Today in our our, our, our journey today in Luke 15, we come to the last parable, the parable of the lost son. And just as a reminder to kind of get ourselves in the right mind, we started this series where the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around Jesus to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law murmured, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And Jesus then starts to tell a series of parables, the first one being the parable of the shepherd who goes and searches for that one lost sheep. And the parable of the lost coin where Jesus describes a woman who who is determined to find this lost coin that means so much to her. And then finally we find a parable of where Jesus then turns to where a young man (coughs) goes and is lost, but finds redemption. Amen? So let's begin. Now, I know this is a lot to read, so I'm going to read along and uh, just bear with me, okay? It's a good story. Jesus continued, there was a man who had how many sons? Two. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with what? Compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to what? To celebrate. Every parable in this chapter has a theme of rejoicing and of celebrating. However, the story doesn't end there because there's another brother. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Aside from the parable of the Good Samaritan, these are the two probably most well-known parables that Jesus shares. And so we find in the beginning, we find the son who, the younger son sought his inheritance before his father passed away. Generally, when you seek an inheritance, something has to happen, right? Somebody has to pass away, generally, i.e., the father. And, you know, when we think about this, normally you think, dude, what are you thinking? Like, you want your... You basically, your father is more valuable dead to you than is alive. As a father, I'm sure that, that tugs at your heartstrings. It's like, What? That's messed up. And you see, there's two sons here. The younger one asks, especially the younger one, right? If anything, the older one is the first in line. But the youngest one goes and he seeks his inheritance. You know, in the time of uh, Jesus' time, this was a huge, huge no-no. Honor and shame are extremely important, so much so that uh, I don't know when, but an Iranian doctor who was very influential and had a lot of money, his son basically did the same thing, but yet the father died three days later of a broken heart. And yet we also find that uh, in Palestine, um, a man actually killed his own son because he asked for his inheritance. Honor and shame. Basically, the younger son is bringing shame to his family. And it's not just within the family, but guess who's going to find out? The village. Because we find as well that the son doesn't stay very long. He gets everything together and he takes off. 
And when he takes off, he goes to uh, another, another town. And what we find is the younger son, he wastes his money and he finds himself in want. Interestingly enough, when somebody who has no money all of a sudden requires a lot of money, what usually happens? Spend, 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 right? All of a sudden you had money and now you have no money. And especially, too, when you have money, guess who comes along? Friends. But when you have no money, where are your friends? They take a long hike, right? And so we find this younger son who wastes all of his money and finds himself in need. Because at that time as well, as scripture indicates, there was a big famine. And in the famine, there's a lack of food. You can't just go out anywhere and get food. And so he's desperate. So much so that in his desperation, he's forced to hire himself out to a farmer feeding pigs. And as a good Jew, right? You don't hang out with pigs. And so he finds himself, he's broke. In fact, uh, in, uh, if you really read uh, the text, it's basically he, he attached himself, he glued himself to a farmer, hoping and praying that, please, just give me something, right? And yet he's feeding the pods something that the pigs can eat, but he himself, he wishes he could eat these pods, but they were basically inedible. So he's down on his luck. He's shamed his family. He can't necessarily just go back home and be open uh, with, with open arms, right? And he becomes desperate. And he starts to hatch this plan. Maybe, maybe, you know, I've been thinking, even my dad's hired servants are living better than me right now. So much so that he's concluded that it's better to be a hired servant to his own father rather than to be in need or in desperation. Ever felt desperate before? So the son has to take everything back that he has done. Meaning, he's got to accept the fact that he has dishonored his family. He's taken all of his inheritance and he's wasted it, as scripture says, on wild living. And when he has nothing, he still has to go back home. And so as he he comes up with an idea. He says, actually when it says in verse 17, when he comes to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. And he says, he's thinking already, okay? He's writing a script. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Part of me is asking too, though, is he, is he making the script because is he genuinely, truly repentant or is he trying to find a way out of his current 
predicament. Now he starts to head home. And when he's close to home, he could see from a way a ways off his father. When we switch to the to the perspective of the father, the father isn't just milling about, he's looking. In fact, it says in verse uh, verse 20, So he got up, he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Much like the shepherd and much like the woman who was looking for her lost coin, the father as well is looking, searching, hoping and waiting for his son to come back home. Being intentional. One of, beautiful, one of the beautiful things that I know is that God, even when we mess up, God is waiting for us to return home. Amen. You know, God wants to be the shepherd God, like the woman, wants is actively searching. But, you know, the hard part is, as humans, we have the ability to make choices. So much so that we can actually reject God. And when we reject God, God in his, in his infinite love and mercy and grace can love. But if we're not receptive, what can God do? Because when we turn our back on We can say, forget you, God. I disown you. I want my inheritance, but yet I don't want to be around you. I'm going to go off. I'm going to live in a different land. I'm going to make a miserable miserable life and lose everything. But yet, when we come to our senses and we know that we serve and have a God of grace and of love, just just, uh, as it is uh, modeled in the Father, when the son realizes what he has done, he comes home. But you see, the thing is, it's not that simple. We think, okay, he's going to come back home. And the father, the father actually runs to his son. He throws his arms around him and he kisses him. But you see, the thing is, the father, believe it or not, sorry, as he's waiting for his son, when the father runs to the son, in order for, to be able to efficiently run, he had to lift up his little robe because the robe was impeding his movement. And what he did was he displayed his calf, something that was a huge no-no. He basically brought shame upon himself because there was purpose and meaning in why he was doing this. Um, uh, Joseph Kidder, he explained this to me um, years ago. In Deuteronomy chapter 21, 18, it actually writes, If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them, this is Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 through 20, or 21. His father and mother shall take hold of him, bring him to the elders at the gate of his town, and they shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He won't obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Does this fit the description of the younger son? 
Yep. Part two. Then all the men of this town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you, and all Israel will hear of it and be afraid. This father is not just being compassionate. He's literally trying to save his son's life. Because everyone has probably heard about what the younger son has done. Now, they may not bring up the stones and throw it at him, but certainly they're going to probably want to come up and give their two cents on what they think of him. They may rough him up because he has brought shame not only to his family, but of the village. During Jesus' time, you weren't an individual. You were part of a group. And to to some degree, there were consequences. And so the father, though, he says, uh, he he comes and he he kisses him. He doesn't say anything. He just says, "I, I love you, I love you. Rather than words, the father does, he, he, he shows his love in action. And after all of that, after, after he's ran, he's, he runs to protect his son. He then restores his son and even treats him as a special guest of honor. Because the father, when he gets to him, he says, but the father said, the father tries, uh, sorry, the son tries to explain. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You know, when I think of robes, I, I'm reminded of a robe of righteousness, right? It is only because of Jesus, his blood, are we saved. A robe of righteousness. It's not because of what we have done, but what God has done. And, and Jesus, his robe of righteousness covers us. Yet we find as well a father puts the best robe. He puts it, and as well, he puts a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, signifying that he is my son and he is part of my family and he is restored. And not only is he restored, but bring on the fatty calf. We're going to celebrate. We're going to party. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. That's an awesome story, right? It's a beautiful story of grace and of love where a a son finds redemption and we are all offered this same redemption because God, truly, God is knocking on our hearts. It's a matter of do we want to open our heart to God, to be able to allow God to come into our lives, to lead us, to shape us, to mold us, But this is only part of the story. Because there's another part of the story here. Because in verse 25, the older son was in the field. And when he comes to the house, he finds out, he says, what's going on? And when the servants tell him that his brother has returned, the brother who had shamed his family, had left and made a disgrace of himself, had had created a reputation of himself away from the village 
and finds out that his father has embraced him, that has restored him, and is, it has uh, <laughs> killed the fatted calf in honor of his homecoming. How many of you are the oldest sibling? I'm the oldest of four. How many of you have been the oldest? And you try to shepherd your little siblings. And when something goes bad, what happens? Who gets blamed first? We do, right? But yet we, we see how expectations of the, the son is angry because even his father had not let him take a little goat. And yet the son who had been unrepentant for so many years, who had squandered his wealth that his father had worked so hard for, and yet now he's bringing him back in. Who does this remind you of? How about at the very beginning of Luke 15, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, of the law muttered, "This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them." So it's not just one son who's lost, but it's both at one point. Even the older son is lost because his heart is full of pride and of anger, of venom, and rather than seeing his brother come back to the fold and embracing and rejoicing is arm's length away. But the father, he says, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. You still got your inheritance. But even better. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now is found. The one thing, something that was pointed out to me as well, Jesus doesn't say if the younger brother goes in or not to the party. And I think that was intentional because this very question is still very relevant to us if we see a brother or a sister who has perhaps gone into the world and has left, what is our response going to be? That of the father who embraces and brings this child of God back into the fold? Or do we be like the Pharisees, the older brother, and stand off? I hope in prayers the brother had a change of heart and decided to come in and celebrate and rejoice just as they celebrated the lost sheep, just as they celebrated the woman who lost her coin but found it. And finally, may we celebrate just as the father celebrated and signified that his son, who was lost but is now found and was redeemed. You know, it's interesting in my pocket. Here's $5. What could I do with $5? I could get a lot of donuts. <laughs> what else? What could I do with $5?
I could do something with it, right? I could get lots of gum, could get a soda, get a tea or a coffee. What about this? If I take it and I crumple it up and I throw it on the ground, would you still want it? Yeah. Okay. We got some honest people in here. Okay. You leave it here. Okay. What if I crumple it up again, throw it on the ground, and I, and maybe for good effect, would you still take this $5 bill? Now, in the midst of me um, pulverizing and uh, trying to destroy, I did not destroy, let it be known. It was still always $5, right? Even though I crumpled it, even though I threw it to the ground, and even though it looked like I was smashing it with my foot, it got dirty and bruised and broken. It still remained $5, right? The value of it has not gone down. In God's eyes, we all are priceless. Frankly, though, some of we've all probably been battered, we've been bruised, we've been crumpled, and yet our value still has not changed in the eyes of the Father. We are still loved and we are still priceless. So, may we, by the way, I'm going to give this as an offering. <laughs> Because our church budget needs it. May we never forget our value and that we, though we may be the lost son, maybe the lost daughter, even if you're, if you're listening, maybe you're sitting at home on your bed or on the couch or you're, you're driving and you're listening, know that you are God. Know that you are loved. Know that you are accepted and you have been redeemed. So I pray that you will open your heart and invite the Savior into your life and may your life be blessed and may it be changed. Father in heaven, God, be with us today. Help us in all that we do. And Lord, be reminded that even when we mess up, Lord, we know that we are your children. Father, forgive us where we have sinned. But yet as well, Lord, we invite you into our hearts to lead and to guide, to shape and to mold us to be the disciples that you have called us to. And Lord, as well, may we be loving and gracious as the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.com. God bless.